Drunk Dish contains adult language that may not be appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. so good at blowing the fuck out of this mic but not in like a pleasant way <laughs> mom allowed tonight good turn that down hello and welcome to drunk dish where three delicious dishes <coughs> to explore food history and get pickled in the process this is episode number 11 regional cuisine boston mm-hmm. and i'm melissa and i'm amy and unfortunately it's just the two of us tonight um, Kate wah, wah. went on a cruise to the Bermuda Triangle and was and, murdered and disappeared. We don't know where she is. She's just gone. Mm-hmm. So we'll either have a replacement or Kate back next episode. Who knows? Yeah. No, for Kate's fine. She just double booked herself like a real <laughs> bitch. Um, and then and then we had a, a special guest host with a dick. Yep. I was not expecting those words to come out of Melissa's mouth, hence the silence for a moment. Uh, but yeah, but he he couldn't join us either. So he will be joining us uh, at a future date to be determined. Someday. Someday things will work out as planned. Mm-hmm. Um, today is not that day. Aww. And that's fine. It's great. It's just a little, a little Amy, Melissa slumber party. Woohoo! I'm okay with that. That's Me great. Me too. So since Kate's not here... Amy's asking the food question this episode. Yep. So, Amy, what's your question? Um, what is a food habit or food preference you have that causes you some bit of shame? <laughs> so, and, and yeah. I, I can tell you what mine is, or if you, you like have an answer. Oh no, you go ahead. I do okay. have an answer, but you go ahead first. Okay. You go first. So, mine. Doctors first. Oh. <laughs> um. My, I have a lot because I eat like a five-year-old, as we've discussed before, but um, something I used to love to do when I was a kid, this is real gross, real, real gross. I just really revealed it to my husband uh, earlier this week, and he was disgusted, which is saying a lot because he has a lot of disgusting food stuff, too. But anyways, <laughs> I used to um, make myself a grilled cheese sandwich for lunch it with like potato chips on the side, mm-hmm. and then I would sit sit in my parents' family room and I'd watch TV and I would uh, pull apart the grilled cheese sandwich and I'd pull the cheese with like the bits of bread stuck to it from uh-huh. the inside out. Sure. And then I would take the potato chips and crush them in my hand and then put them on top of the cheese and then roll the cheese into like a ball. So it was like a potato chip cheese ball <laughs> and then consume it and say what? it. Yeah. <laughs> it was disgusting and oh so delicious i don't do it anymore because it's like who does that right yeah that's, that's like a whole thing yeah that's like that's not <laughs> what i was expecting like when you started saying it i'm like this isn't going to be that weird i'm thinking okay what she opens the grilled cheese and she puts the chips in it no nope. and probably eats it not that big a deal when i was a kid we we would do that with tuna fish sandwiches mm-hmm. uh and peanut butter and jelly mm-hmm. we would put like potato chips in it yeah, this is like salty and sweet or whatever, right. and they'll like crunch. But no, <laughs> you fucking freak! I'm surprised you didn't turn out to be a serial killer, or maybe you are. Maybe I am. Maybe you're the most prolific serial killer in the United States. You just haven't been caught yet because you're yeah. not a fucking idiot. Yep, I'm. I'm a real smart killer. Yeah, 
And can I, before you answer too, can I tell you what prompted my, this question? Yes, <laughs> you can definitely. I caught my three-year-old. Uh, I he he was looking for his bottle of water, and I told him it was downstairs, and he was taking a really long time to get it. So I went down to check on him, and I caught him hiding in the living room with an open <laughs> carton of chicken broth, <laughs> chugging it. <laughs> And, and I couldn't stop. Like, there's moments when you're a parent where you're like, I can't laugh. I can't laugh. I can't laugh. And this is one of them. But I just laughed. Like, I just couldn't. I couldn't bring myself to be mad. I just started laughing. And then he thought it was hilarious. And he was like, I'm not in trouble. I should do this again, which is probably his inner monologue. So that, I'd just be worried about the sodium intake. There. It was uh, low sodium organic oh, chicken broth. It's fine. He said, what is this water made out of? And I said, chicken. <laughs> water yeah, he just thought it was real tasty water he's like i love water <laughs> i've never loved water so much in my life <laughs> that's really good yeah that's really good <laughs> like i've just had chicken broth before but usually when i was like i'm not eating today i'm just gonna drink chicken broth and that'll mm. be my food but mm. never just like <laughs> You know, it's it kind of it's not as bad, but it kind of reminds me of, oh, no, is it welcome to the dollhouse where the girl she has like a super hyperactive little sister and like they're like she has ADD, she has ADD. And then someone's like, she doesn't have ADD, she just eats too much sugar. And then I think it's welcome to the dollhouse because that movie's fucking weird. And then at one point someone comes downstairs and it's like the middle of the night. And they like flip on the switch and she's like standing over a full <laughs> bag of like domino sugar. Yeah. And she's just eating spoonfuls <laughs> of it with like wet sugar like falling oh. out of her mouth. Those, that's my children. It's both of them. I mean, chicken broth is a lot less traumatic, I think, than finding your your kid standing like a fucking goblin just eating sugar from I've, the bag. I've also found them eating a stick of butter. <laughs> I was really loud. <laughs> I'm like, you got some little Paula Deans there? Be yeah. careful. Yeah. Be careful the racism doesn't creep in. <laughs> Comes with the butter. Just the butter and the diabetes. <laughs> oh, no diabetes. And and no racism. Yeah. Just butter. That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, I never ate a stick of butter. I will say two things that I did when I was a kid that I don't do anymore. And mm-hmm. then I'll tell you an actual thing that I still do to this day and I'm embarrassed about. Um, so when I was a kid... I might have told you this this before. I don't know. I might have even said it. I don't think I said it on this show. Um, but I like didn't really like pizza when I was a kid. What? Um, so, well, I did, but I didn't. So when I would eat pizza, I would scrape off everything. Okay. So I would scrape off the cheese, all the sauce I could get, and then I would just eat the crust. <laughs> I mean... I- yeah, I support that. It's the best part. It is the best part. I mean, part. now I, I appreciate all of those things together and I think they're delicious. But I, I would, I got made fun of a lot because I would do it like at school, mm. in elementary school and just like scrape everything off. And they're like, this <laughs> fucking weirdo. And the person I like ended up being best friends with in early elementary school is because she did the same thing. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> bitch. Look at us. Kindred pe- spirit. Pizza scrapers. Yeah. Um, I also <laughs> used to lay in my bedroom in my underwear and eat cream cheese frosting out of the can with my finger. <laughs> <laughs> that just 
has a great visual with I it. I mean, don't visualize it because I was a kid, but, you yeah. know. Well, not in a creepy way. Right. Well, I would have, like, a t-shirt on. Yeah. But but no pants. Yeah. I pants, just picked Pants like, are for losers. Like a young Melissa, young pantsless L- Melissa. Looks basically like me, except for with more of a boy body. And then laying in her bed in, like, the middle of the day, staring at the ceiling and just absentmindedly pretty licking, accurate. licking it, it was off usually, her fingers. It was usually at night. Oh, okay. um, I remember distinctly one time, and I don't even know if it was during the holidays, <laughs> but I had like a book. I had How the Grinch Stole Christmas on on a book, but it like it was like an audio book, like mm-hmm. built into the book. So like when you turn the page, it like it would read it to you. I think I might okay. be remembering this wrong. I might have also just had like a it might have come with a cassette tape and I played it. Mm-hmm. But I remember going through that book and like listening to the audio while eating. I ate an entire <laughs> can of cream Pillsbury cream cheese frosting oh my god with my fingers oh my god that's amazing <laughs> it's fucking terrible it is, um i would never great. do that now because canned frosting is fucking d- disgusting yeah. um i mean canned cream cheese frosting maybe i could like stomach a little bit of it on like a cupcake but i would i mean now real cream cheese frosting i'll eat that shit right out of the yeah, bowl go to town like oh so good um now something that I do and I hit it for a really long time but then people at work started to notice that I was doing it because I would like do it in a way that like people wouldn't really notice what I was doing um but I really really like Taco Bell I think it's really good (laughs) um it doesn't make me shit my pants like it seems to make so many other people do and a lot of stuff makes me almost shit my pants um but Taco (laughs) Bell doesn't so and it's super cheap so Mm -hmm. like if you don't bring lunch and like you want something cheap you don't want to spend like fucking like 20 bucks on yeah. lunch or whatever go up to taco bell and i'll get the crunch wrap supreme like mm-hmm. meal and i'll get it with rice instead of beef um and then the meal comes with a crunchy taco or well comes with a taco you can get crunchy yourself i'll get a crunchy mm-hmm. taco with rice and that as well and then i take my food back to work and then i um open the crunch wrap and then i open the taco and then i put the taco inside <laughs> the crunch wrap and then i fold it back up and i eat it i mean it's sensation- so that it's crunchy yeah like i don't like soggy right mexican food. And, and it doesn't matter how quickly you eat a crunch wrap by the time like you eat it just from the heat and like mm-hmm. cheese and everything and I, it's got to be worse with beef because the yeah. beef is with is the juice like juicier than the the rice is pretty dry yeah um it must get soggy right away and so like it's it'll have a little bit of crunch but like and but i've someone i so someone saw me doing this at work and they were like <laughs> what the fuck are you doing and i'm like oh my god my secret's out like oh now i gotta kill all these people and leave like <laughs> shit um and then i'm like well it's it makes it crunchy so i take the crunchy shell and i put it in there and then it's crunchy when i eat it and they're like well then why don't you just put in the shell instead of dumping in the entire yeah taco but like that's wasteful. <laughs> Valid and point. I mean, it's literally just like getting rice in a crunchy taco, just a regular crunchy taco instead of beef is like the worst thing. Yeah. Because there's no sour cream or, or like not yeah. um not melted cheese, just like the regular cheese they put mm-hmm. on it. So it's like tastes like nothing. Right. Um, but like you put it into the crunch wrap and it makes the crunch wrap so much more food. Yeah. Even though I don't need, cause there's been times where I've literally just bought the crunch wrap mm-hmm. and it's plenty of food, but it's just not as good. <laughs> but yeah, that's my thing. That. 
that's my no thing. judgment for me melissa i don't think anyone at work actually gives a shit i think <laughs> just every anytime someone new sees i mean i haven't done it because i haven't gotten taco well in a long while but mm-hmm. anytime someone sees me do it they always are like what and i'm like <laughs> how did i go so long with nobody noticing that i did this because i did it right from the beginning yeah. i've worked at this fucking place for seven years and i've done it the entire time i've worked there <laughs> and like no one noticed until maybe like a year or so ago well maybe it's because like you said last episode your game for like making lunches is so good that other people always comment and then they're like why is she eating like a trash panda like why all of a sudden is she eating like this weird horrible thing yeah no it's true i do get that sometimes too um when I've been really good and I've been bringing lunch every single day mm-hmm. and then like that one day that I don't bring lunch and I get something trashy and like every fucking person that walks into the break mm-hmm. room is like and I'm like shut the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> like I bring fucking healthy food every single goddamn day like you sit here eating your fucking Sarku Japan or Umi or whatever mm-hmm. so like I don't even know what it is like shut up <laughs> Can I can I tell you a story? Yes, you can. About eating lunch at work. And something I'm also ashamed of too. Lunch sidebar. Yeah, lunch sidebar. Kate's not here to call out our sidebars, so <laughs> lunch sidebar. We're gonna go wild. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I uh for a short period of time I worked at Mall of America and um there was uh like most malls in America, uh there are rats. <laughs> oh, there are, that was so funny. Yeah, there are rats that like live in the mall mm. like in the back room or what right i've never like, seen a rat always. at our mall i would prefer a rat over what we have oh do you guys have cockroaches yeah i've worked in malls i with cockroaches can't uh, too. sorry we sorry. need to move on sorry. i brought it up it's not your fault i brought it up i, I have forgot. a i have a phobia ladies and gentlemen it's getting better but still anyways continue um so anyways i i um th- the mall of america is huge and it has multiple food courts and like there would always and then there's also restaurants so there would always be the discussion if you're going to get food there like what food court are you going to go to and then it was like a whole thing with everyone that worked where like they're like oh are you going to the food court i like can you pick up my food too it was like a thing so i would intentionally not go to any of the food courts i'd go to like a restaurant or something so that i didn't have to be burned with picking up my coworkers' food because i'm horrible <laughs> <laughs> well that's like a whole thing it is a whole just thing. because they're lazy yeah, and because they assumed that I had more money than them, which I... Oh, wait, so, like, you'd pay for it? Well, sometimes people would just, like, expect me to. Um, Which, yeah. No? I know. Anyways, that's a whole other thing. Uh, so so the there's fuck? this pizza place uh, up on the third floor that I used to go to with relative frequency. And, again, people assumed I had more money than I did. I was perpetually broke. Um, <laughs> I like the way you... I was <laughs> so it was really good. I went up to this pizza place and they were having, and I'd eaten there like a couple times before, and they were having like a, a deal, like a promotion where it was like buy one pizza get one free, and I was like, that's a fucking amazing deal. I'll buy a pizza for myself, and then like I'll get a free one, and I'll just put it out on the break room table. So like if anyone didn't get lunch today or didn't bring lunch today, they'll yeah. have food. Yeah. So. I do it and I I pay for it and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. It's taking a long time. And then all of a sudden a fucking rat runs out from the kitchen. Yeah. And this was like one of those pizza places where they make the pizza in front of you. So it's not like the kitchen's like behind a wall. Sure, sure, The kitchen's behind the counter that you pay at. And they make the pizza in front of you. And then they have a little tiny like fast cooking oven that like cooks the pizza in like five, ten minutes. Okay. So it runs out from behind the counter and like customers fucking scream 
Sure, because, oh, my God, it's a fucking rat. We're all going to get the plague. Right. And then and then the thing that, like, concerned me wasn't that there was a rat. It was that the people that worked behind the counter were like, oh, it's back. Unfazed. <laughs> unfazed. Just completely unfazed. Oh, 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 yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's Jeff. Yeah. That's just Jeff. <laughs> that's just Jeff the rat. He's a, he's a pal. Yep. Yeah. And then, so the rat, like, runs out into the dining area and then runs back into the kitchen. People are screaming. The women behind the counter are like, eh, it's just the rat. And then they're like, order's up. Here's your food. <laughs> I just stood there for a second thinking, like, should I eat this rat pizza? Because, <laughs> like, I know that the rat didn't, like, walk on the ingredients like in that moment but i don't know that the rat didn't touch the ingredients at any other point in the day sure so i bring the pizza back to (laughs) to work and i'm like you know what i'm fucking hungry and i'm fucking broke yo anybody want this fucking rat pizza (laughs) so i eat my pizza i don't say anything to any co-workers and then i put the other pizza on the table but i feel like i have to say something to my co-workers because i'm not gonna give them please tell me you made a sign I didn't make a sign. I just told everyone who was in the break room. And like three of the four people just looked at me and they're like, why did you eat the rat pizza? They like immediately started judging me. And then the fourth person just like grabbed the box and slid it towards him on the desk. Go fourth person. And ate it. Go fourth person. Yeah. I don't know if I, I don't know what my reaction would be if I saw a rat. Like the other thing freaks me out way more. Um. Like, rats are gross. I get it. And they do carry disease. Like, the plague is still a fucking thing. Yep. Yep. Um, But I think it's usually transmitted by squirrels now. Mm -hmm. Um, The couple cases that have been in the United States. Oh, kitten. We're talking about rats. (laughs) He comes up here with that fluffy, fluffy bot of his. Um, Like, I don't know if I saw, if I saw a rat coming out of a kitchen, what I, because I feel like every place probably has rats and you just don't see it. Right. And that's a, that's the thing. Like, and the issue is when they get out of control where they're starting to get into your ingredients. And I feel like if that if Jeff the rat <laughs> was starting to get into their ingredients, they that would be when they would call somebody because oh, then they're losing money. An important thing I forgot to mention about my story. The reason why the restaurant was having this promotion on pizza is because they were closing. Um, and I don't know if it was due to health code violations. <laughs> But wait, was this in the mall or this was just a separate restaurant? It was in the mall. So like the whole mall has rats. Right. So, so that's, that's that was like, my reasoning was like every restaurant in yeah, the mall. Yeah, like it, it's not like you were at a standalone building. Yeah. And <clears throat> a rat ran out like, oh, that building has rats. Yeah. In your sense, like you're, the building you're in is a, the size of a fucking city. And there's probably a rat king somewhere right. that is just subsisting <laughs> on pizza. Like... <laughs> It's just a mass of fucking rats. Like, oh, oh both rats and fucking rats. Because oh. I think that's what Rat King is, right? It's a bunch of rats boning. Gross. Why? Ooh. Why? Why? Okay. Never heard the legend of the Rat King? S- sidebar done. Sidebar done. All right. <laughs> Gross. Now that everybody's like throwing up. Melissa, <laughs> what are we drinking tonight? So what we're drinking tonight, um, because this episode is about Boston, this is the only signature Boston Ooh. drink. Now, other places have tried to take credit for it, but all of those instances seem to come after when it is said that this originated. Okay. Um, and there's a, like a story behind it. So I feel like... Are we drinking Sam Adams? No. <laughs> yes, I, I dug him up. 
I ground up his bones <laughs> and I made a uh, elixir. I'd and be down I'd for be that. Drinking that. Um, it goes into a Sam Adams that's beer. A, that's a different podcast. That's called Booze and Booze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so this drink is called the Ward 8, named after Ward 8 in Boston, mm-hmm. which, I mean, became a bunch of other things. But um, it it consists of rye whiskey, lemon juice, orange juice, grenadine, and then um, some cherries for garnish. Okay. It's really, it's one of these um, easy cocktails that's hard to get right. Okay. Um, now... So I'm going to go a little bit in the history of the cocktail. And then I'm actually, there's a whole other thing I'm going to do after we make the drink because I got a lot here. Um, I'm ready. So it originated in 1898 in Boston at the restaurant Lock Ober, which was the fourth oldest restaurant in Boston. Okay. Um, Lock Ober actually closed in 2012. And now, oh, and now it's called Vivian's or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. I can't remember. But anyways, Lock Ober didn't allow women um, until the 1970s. Fun. Fun fact. Um, the drink was created to celebrate the election of Martin Mahatma Lamazny to the General Court of Massachusetts after the ward that delivered him the winning march in. Okay. Um, so named after this politician guy, which that's what we're going to get into after the break because this okay. guy's fucking nuts. Like there was so much information on him. Mm. It's crazy. Anyways, um, so like I said, there are some like other theor- like stories about where it came from. Some people say this place in New Orleans, some people place in New York, but like fuck all those places. This is our one <laughs> fucking signature cocktail. Mm-hmm. Um, and also everybody hates it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Boston to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, the first printed appearance of the Ward 8 cocktail was in 1907 in a column in the Boston Herald. Um, the Santa Clara Company, which I can't, I don't know what that is. I have no idea. I looked it up. Okay. And it's come up before, I'm pretty sure, in my research for this show. I don't know what they are, but it seems that they basically were like a re- the original patent trolls. Ah, okay. So they registered the Ward 8 as a trademark with the U.S. Patent Office in 1912, posting a notice that they would prosecute any infringement, oh. um, which I actually put the notice in... The drive. There's, the a drive. Bun- there's a bunch of pictures in the drive. I love that. I'm um, talking. The cocktail's now pretty hard to find at any bar. Um, some people have described it as, this is a quote, basic- basically a whiskey sour with orange juice and grenadine. And then also, quote, something you'd make if you were raiding your parents' liquor cabinet. <laughs> Um, one of the problems is that the drink structure varies wildly in cocktail books throughout the last century. So, like, some recipes include weird shit like powdered sugar. Um, rock, rock candy, sugar, um, sour mix, and some even uh, include gin in addition to the whiskey. Okay. Which, like, I'm not combining gin and whiskey. That seems like a recipe for a horrible, horrible tummy. Yeah. No, like, I ain't doing that shit. Yeah. Um, so like I said, it's, it's a pretty easy drink. Like, it's not super complicated, um, but it's hard to get right. And I've never made it before. So I did buy fresh oranges and fresh uh, lemons for the juices Mm -hmm. so we'll get that um and then we'll see how this one goes okay so we're gonna take a quick break while i make this drink and then we're gonna come back and talk about martin mahatma lamazny cool in 50 years you're gonna start doing some thinking on your own and you're gonna come up with the fact that there are two certainties in life one don't do that and two, you dropped 150 grand on a fucking education you could have got for a dollar fifty in late charges at the public library. <laughs> yeah, but I will have a degree. 
and you'll be serving my kids fries at a drive-thru on our way to a skiing trip. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, but at least I won't be unoriginal. But, I mean, if you have a problem like that, I mean, we could just step outside. We could figure it out. Nah, man, there's no problem. It's cool. It's cool? Yeah, cool. Fucking damn right, it's cool. How you like me now? <laughs> My boy's wicked smart. All right, and we're back. Hi. So I've brought this drink. <laughs> There's a little more whiskey in it than the recipe calls for because I had just a little bit left in the bottle. We so don't want to be wasteful. So I just dumped it in. <laughs> um, also, probably, like I said, there's probably um, more citrus in it because I always do that. I And I basically just like juice a lemon mm-hmm. and half an orange instead of doing the like increments that yeah. are in it. Um, and it's pink because of grenadine. It looks very festive. So let's, yes. Let's take a sip in our soused and pickled glasses. Cheers. Ding. Smells like whiskey. It does. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. It's consumable. That's right. It is basically a whiskey sour with grenadine in it. Yeah. Boston, step your fucking game up. I know. Now, this is like the traditional recipe. There was an article about like reviving this cocktail in boston that i got a a lot of my information from and i think the recipe that that particular bartender is like different like he kind of reinvented it um but that's not the recipe i used i used like the original patented quote unquote patented recipe for it yeah and yeah it's fine yeah like it's drinkable yeah but like i would rather have a whiskey sour because i fucking love whiskey sours yeah and i feel like this because the grenadine it's like almost misleading because my brain expects it to be, and especially how fragrant the citrus is, my yeah. brain expects yeah, it to Yeah, I think to like, less grenadine would probably be better. Yeah. I mean, I might have put in too much grenadine. Mm. I don't know. Let me look at the recipe. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. I put in too much grenadine. So that's fine. fine. So don't make a drink like me, ladies and gentlemen. Remember how I said it's, <laughs> it's easy to make, but hard to get right? Mm-hmm. I didn't get it right. That's okay. Although a lot of people say that it's not a good drink. So who knows? Boston, baby. Always doing just good enough. (laughs) So now um, we're going to talk about the man behind the drink. This this Mahatma, which I had to look up what that meant because I I, I only knew of it specifically in like a, a religious yeah sense and that is definitely like spiritual like mahatma gandhi or whatever but also it's just like someone who does a lot of good deeds and like people love and like i didn't know that yeah yeah okay because i was like why is this fucking dude called mahatma so a lot of this so i i use multiple different sources what i'm going to do i'm actually going to include my sources in the um description i think um and i think that's something that we might start doing going forward just to make sure that everything's like on the up and up. Yeah. Make sure that we're not just like completely taking from places that, you know, yeah. whatever. We've been trying to do that, at least with the like food part of it. Yeah. With on the blog post. Right. And I haven't been putting anything in the blog post for the drink of like where mm-hmm. I got the history from. Mostly because the, the drink blog post is just the recipe. Right. So um, I know for, for Amy's bit, it could probably get a bit much to put in all the sources. But... Um, I will put my drink sources in there. Um, we'll probably keep it to as long as it's under like three 
sources. Like if it goes over three sources, we're not going to put them all. Yeah. But you can always go to the blog mm-hmm. and you can see all of our sources there. Yes. Okay. Just so and like. And will be linked to the exact pages too. So because like I, I'm a big believer in like if you're interested in something, you might want to read about it further because I'm that kind of nerd that does that. So like. My, for the sources in the blog post, normally it'll say like the name of the publication and then the name will be hyperlinked so you can click through and see what we read. Yeah. So just in case that, you know, one person we have, maybe we have two fans now. Ooh. So second fan, you know, if you're ever worried that we're not <laughs> citing our sources, we're doing that just for you, baby. Yeah. So anyways, <laughs> Martin Mahatma Lamazny was born in the West End of Boston to Irish immigrant parents in 1859. Um, his parents had fled, fled Ireland during the Great Famine. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find very much information other than that about his parents. Um, after Martin's parents and two siblings died, also could not find out how. Yay, 1800s. Um, him and his younger brother both moved in with their aunt. Mm-hmm. So during this time, they were expected to earn their own keep. So Martin dropped out of school at age 10 Except to shine way. shoes and later work in a machine shop. Fun. Uh, yeah. So uh, Amy and I were kind of talking about like briefly before we started recording about like kids not getting to be kids and how we're kind of in the renaissance of like. I mean, even when we were children, but especially now when people our age are having children, making sure that our kids get to have childhoods. Yep. Did I say something weird? No, there's just like that noise in your apartment. Oh, from the water pipes? From the water pipes. Yeah, our fucking water pipes are fucked, man. (laughs) Like the, the temperature will just randomly change in the shower. It'll just go from like normal to like scorching hot, scorching hot to like fucking freezing. Weird. And like the pressure is wild. That's so, like, weird. the pressure went down. Sidebar. The pressure had gone <laughs> down. So, like, I, I have colored hair. And I had done a hair treatment to, like, it was, like, to deposit more color. And then mm-hmm. also just, like, a healthy treatment for the hair. It took me, like, 15 minutes to wash it out of my hair because the water pressure was oh. so low. And I have fine hair. Like, I don't have a lot of hair. It took me forever. But then all of a sudden the water pressure came back. And now the water pressure is so strong that when you first let it like spray on your face, it hurts. Oh, my word. (laughs) Like, I don't know what the fuck is happening here. They redid the pipes like last year. And since then, it's just been crazy. And they make crazy rattling sounds. Sometimes when you first turn on the water, it'll just be like. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It sounded like someone was like haunting your pipes. Yeah. (laughs) It's a ghost. It's fine. (laughs) So um, so him and his younger brother, um, who eventually would work for him a lot um, during his. Poli- oh, yeah, you can fucking hear that Fuck. <laughs> um, during his political career, moved in with his aunt. Um, he dropped out of school so he could shine shoes and work in a machine shop. Um, but during this time, he was a voracious reader who devoured nonfiction. Um, he loved um, like biographies and also like poetry, basically like any. I mean, I guess poetry would be fiction, but. Right? I mean, it's not real. I mean, some of it is. Sure. But anyways, we're not going to nitpick here. He loved poetry and also nonfiction. Um, And for a short time, he was the leader of a local Irish street gang, which I also couldn't find any information about. It's just kind of like, yeah, it's just, I mean, that's definitely like this dude. Yeah. To a T. Like, he's definitely a leader. So at 17, he began his political career as a ward healer. Um, which is basically an intern and a canvasser. Like basically okay. anything that like the local politicians needed you to do, you would do. Okay. Um, and it also meant kind of like rallying votes, but also like going and getting food for 
the team. Okay. So it was a pretty like wide reaching So it was like 1800s version of like unpaid intern? Right. Yeah. Like an intern or a canvasser or an intern slash canvasser because he also canvassed um, for a local politician. Um, Because of this, he was uh, rewarded with a city job lighting lamps on Nashua Street. Uh, This paid well and allowed uh, time for him to continue being involved in local politics. He became the head of a group called the Independents, which was a small group of young Democrats determined to unseat the incumbent Democrats on the ward committee. Um, So the ward he lives in basically and is ward eight. And like it was basically a bunch of young bucks Mm -hmm. like, hey, like you guys, you guys are old and stupid. We're going to like take over basically, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so in 1885, um, Lamazny founded the Hendricks Club, which served as a headquarters for the group. Um, this was the fir- one of the first political clubs of its kind in the country. Um, and in oh, my cool. reading, there were like a bunch of other clubs that sprung up all over the United States afterwards that were kind of the same thing, like a specific group within a political mm-hmm. party um, working for their own kind of things and having like a headquarters and all of that stuff. I feel like like something horrible is about to be revealed to me because it's so far he seems like a pretty cool guy so who's overcome a lot <laughs> right and that's true for the most part um there's it, well it's not terrible but okay. we'll get there it's not great but we'll get there <laughs> um so martin spent his time dispensing and calling in favors for housing immigration assistance coal in the winter influence in court cases help with funeral expenses and seed money for small businesses oh yeah he is said to kept a file on embarrassing secrets of his colleagues to use against them when needed oh so like he's a cutthroat yeah but he's also like doing for the people yeah 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 basically it's the greater good he's fucking robin hood (laughs) sure (laughs) um he (laughs) often sent aid though so this part's so sweet this really endeared me to him. So like anything after this fact that I read, I was like, yeah, it was the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so he often sent aides to East Boston to greet new immigrants with signs that read, welcome to America. The Democratic Party welcomes you to America. Martin Lamazny M- L- L- welcomes you to Boston. Aww. Often extremely poor and with few marketable skills, Lamazny would help new Americans find work and decent housing. This endeared him to the locals, and in return, they would generally vote how he told them to. His ability to deliver exactly as many votes as needed for a candidate or a piece of legislation earned him his nickname, the Mahatma. So he sounds a lot like that dude from that Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Gangs of New York? Yeah. Um, Um... but Bill, there will be blood guy. Yeah, it's a uh, butcher Bill. Butcher Bill. Butcher Bill. I almost said Buffalo Bill. I was like, wrong Bill. What's his fucking name? The actor. Uh, Daniel from- Day Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis. Thank you. Super racist, right? I'm pretty sure. Yes. <laughs> Amazing fucking actor, but yes, pretty racist. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I might yeah, I be making that up, but I'm know. pretty We've sure we've canceled he is. a lot of people this year. So he's canceled. Daniel Day Lewis is canceled. <laughs> Except I really love him in films. Yep. He doesn't, as far as I know, he doesn't beat his wife. Oh, God, he probably beats his wife. <laughs> <laughs> they all do, man. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, But yes, yes, he definitely endeared himself to the locals. Yeah. Like, probably in a more legal way. 
yeah. probably in a more legal way than butcher bill but they do that in the movie and i don't like i wondered like how prevalent of a practice that is hmm. like they stood out on like with signs for the ships uh, docking or whatever like with the yeah. immigrants coming off yeah. being like the democratic party or the republican whatever they were oh maybe yeah yeah maybe like, that was part to. of it i didn't i mean it did say that like i said it said he had some involvement with local irish yeah. gangs um, but there wasn't a huge amount of information on that part of his life. Mm. Um, and there's kind of a reason for that. There's a lot of gaps yeah. um, in his life because he was pretty like private mm-hmm. and secretive. So there aren't really there's one auto there's one not autobiography. There's one biography out there, which um, and I can't remember the quote, but someone said it was a good read, but completely unfounded. And there was no way to like legitimize anything that was said in it. Yeah. Because Le was no so evidence. private. Yeah. Um. So in the early 19 uh, or sorry, late 1890s to early 1900s, Lamazny made a lot of enemies. I mean, he made a lot of friends, but he made a lot of enemies, too. Mm-hmm. In 1894, he was actually shot in the leg during an assassination attempt. Oh, that's something to do with a dispute with like the housing board. And some dude was pissed about how they voted. So he decided really, to try and Boston. kill this dude. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so this is this is a direct quote. I did not write this, just to, just to be fair. The political scene in Boston was not for the faint of heart. Candidates were smeared and threatened, and voters were bribed and blackmailed. A common practice was to send aides dressed as Protestant clergymen to quote-unquote campaign for rival candidates in Irish Catholic neighborhoods. Oh, yeah yeah which i just it's just kind of funny to me he definitely was like kind of in on like doing whatever it takes basically even if that meant like completely just doing kind of bullshit stuff um so how as a how much has changed in the political landscape of america no (laughs) as a house rep in 1910 lamazny worked with labor leaders to enforce a 48-hour work week so this confused me because I was like, wait, so like they had to work 48 hours, not realizing, oh, wait, they were probably working like 60, 60 hours. Yeah. And they were saying, no, we'll only work 48 hours um, and workmen's compensa- compensation, but opposed their attempts to block aliens from joining the unions. Now, this also confused me because a lot of what I read, it, it talked about immigrants as immigrants. But in this particular part about the unions, it says aliens. Hmm. So I don't know if in the early 1900s there was like a difference between someone who came here legally and then became a citizen and someone who just like came here. Like because alien to me says. Yeah, I don't think I don't not think welcome. So I, I mean everything was so much more lax then like it was like a health inspection that you had to subject yourself to it's like you could travel all the way here and yeah. then be turned so away I don't but know other why. than that I, do, like, I don't know why the wording is different yeah. in this sense i made a note of it just because i thought it was a little odd yeah but basically but basically immigrants from joining unions but also like you're all immigrants yep so but even back then like there's this distinction growing of like i've been here since right. the revolution well, and there versus... was a lot of discrimination against the irish and he's irish yep. so that was probably a big part of it yeah i assume um so he basically worked with them to get those protections put in place but opposed them being like we're not we're not gonna hire like people that aren't right. from here or whatever bullshit they come up with here's another direct quote <laughs> 
Because there was a lot of information in here, and I just, like, couldn't be bothered to rewrite it. Yeah. I mean, um, if it's good, it's good. In 1912, when the Suffolk Evening Law School petitioned the state legislator for the right to grant degrees, elites on the Massachusetts Board of Education, the Boston Bar Association, and Harvard University objected. At the time, evening law schools were an important path to the middle class for ambitious sons of working class immigrants. The first students at Suffolk came from Irish, Italian, Jewish, and other backgrounds. Members of Boston's Yankee-dominated legal establishment took a dim view of such school. One of them remarked that trying to make attorneys out of such people was like trying to turn cart horses into trotters. Lamazny campaigned strenuously for the school, and it gained the right to grant degrees in 1914. Yay. So basically, he was like, fuck you, dudes. Yeah. Like, they're literally just like, oh, it's a night school. So they we they shouldn't get a law degree. They're still doing the fucking work. Yeah. So so this dude is like pretty fucking progressive. Yeah. He sounds amazing. Yeah. He's pretty great. I'll tell you the thing. It's down in my other, some other fun question mark facts. Um, He opposed women's suffrage. <laughs> mm. Um, But he didn't really say why. Mm-hmm. So that's like the one thing that I saw that was like. I wonder if he worried that like because with any suffrage movement, usually like even if a group of people are granted the right to vote, it's usually the more affluent among that subset of Americans that actually can exercise their right to vote. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's me like pushing the limits of like. Well, again, we don't know because there's no he didn't like keep a diary that was ever found he didn't right you know there's no information really about that sort of thing i just know that he opposed it because he got in a fight with jfk's ma- uh, maternal grandfather honey fitz yeah they were rivals honey fitz john fitzgerald um who married oh actually i don't remember how it worked somehow that he's related to jfk obviously because yeah. jfk is named after him yeah the there's this a lot of this is making me think of gangs in new york but because <laughs> at the end of the movie too they say like that like five years later or whatever like this is the same borough that like the kennedys like immigrated in through and yeah. then they moved to boston and yeah so he must be uh, he must actually be the maternal grandfather and that's why the kennedy name comes in Paterno yeah. doesn't make sense because then JFK wouldn't have been Kennedy. He would have just right. been Fitzgerald. Right. So it was his maternal grandfather. That and he, his nickname was Honey Fitz. Which is a ah, great name. Which is so good. Anyways. <laughs> um, so moving on. Martin attended the Massachusetts Constitutional Convention of 1917 through 1919. That's a fucking long ass convention. That is, yeah. There he supported a major amendment that many denounced as socialist. Wait. How many constitutional conventions has this country had? I have no idea. I only knew about the one in 1893. I didn't know. That so there was this one was one. specifically called the Convention of 1917. So that but must it, have been the one that added the 18th. But Amendment. it was listed as taking place between 1917 and 1919. So that must have been when the the 19th Amendment or the 18th Amendment to ratify That's the women's right to vote. Right, right was yeah. ratified. So that I wonder if. Like, I, this is something I just don't know, but I wonder if, like... Oh, yeah, because 1919, because we just... Didn't we just celebrate 100 years of women's suffrage? Right. Yeah. So I'm wondering if every time an amendment has to be added to the Constitution, a constitutional convention is held. Maybe. And that's why... Yeah. 
I'm going to have to research that. Do that. <laughs> Do that, doctor. Um, so he supported a major amendment that many denounced as socialists. I don't like to hear that. Mm. Even though socialist back then was like probably neoliberal, barely. Yeah. Um, it was the public trade amendment and it allowed the state and local governments to provide food and shelter to people in times of war or other emergency. Crazy. Denounced as socialist. Yeah. It's not That's, even just to provide food and shelter to people full stop it's to provide food and shelter to people in times of war or other emergency which is like like we take that as necessary like necessary and basic today yeah like i know it's really hard in the current climate because everything's terrible and and we're going backwards and we 100 percent are going backwards yeah it's scary but the country still has come a fucking long way yes (laughs) Like, that's a socialist idea. Just being like, we're at war and people are dying. Mm. Maybe we should give them food and shelter. Like, no, you fucking socialist. You fucking commie. Get the fuck out of here. I mean, com- <laughs> commies weren't a thing yet. But, you know, anyways. Yes, I understand. Um, he also supported a second amendment that passed. Now, this one I'm really confused about, but it has a really good quote at the end that made me chuckle. Okay. So he supported a second amendment that passed that prohibited the state from funding private institutions. Um, oh, I left out a word here. Private denominational institutions. Okay. So that means religious, right? Yeah. So such as schools, um, charities, that sort of thing. Like yeah. Religious organizations. Um, now, the reason he he wanted this amendment to prohibit the state funding was because there was an inequity in how Catholic institutions and Protestant in- institutions were funded. Mm-hmm. So Protestant institutions had received $18 million from the state yeah. when Catholic had only received 49000 It's funny because we could use that now because the state of New Hampshire just passed legislation which allows for extra funding to protect houses of worship. And there's only one non-Christian house of worship included. In the funding package for the entire state of New Hampshire, it's um, it's a temple. It's Wait, a Jewish one? temple. Yeah, there's more than one Jewish temple in New Hampshire. I know there are no mosques included. There are no like, and there's there are mosques in New Hampshire. What like, the there's, fuck? Yes. So that's this that just happened last week. So it, like the it was bipartisan. So it seemed like really promising because they're like, oh, they're like instead of addressing our issue with guns, we're going to ramp up security at. <laughs> At houses of worship, since no place is fucking safe. It's not fucking white houses of worship. It's not fucking Catholic places or Protestant places. It's fucking like f- Southern Baptist churches yeah. that get knocked over or synagogues. Or mo- yeah. So there. Yeah. So it was a, it, I can't I can't rub my earlobes because I have headphones because you have headphones on. But yeah. <laughs> so that's fun. That's fun. Oh, my God. OK. Well, so the inequity still exists. Yes. today. Oh, 100 percent. The thing I'm confused about. Well, first of all, so he said, so the reason he was mad was because Protestant institutions received mm-hmm. so much more than Catholic. Which but, makes sense for the but time. But then he, this amendment basically took away any funding from Catholic well, and Protestant. So Cardinal O'Connell mm-hmm. called, or I don't know if he called or were there phones? I don't even know. Wrote, sent a telegram. Sent a telegram to pigeon. to um, pressure Lamazny to oppose the amendments. And uh, Lamazny reportedly replied by saying, tell his eminence to mind his own business. Oh. <laughs> and he was like a devoted Catholic. Yeah. So like, I feel like that's a pretty big, he's like. That is a I'm big I'm doing deal. a fucking thing. Yeah. And you can fucking step off. 
That's a big deal. Um, so next I have another direct quote um, just because it kind of talks about the um, demographics of Ward 8 and like the North End and all of that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and there's like a lot of stuff in here that like even if I reworded it, it would basically be the same I'm exact just, quote. Like before you start, I'm just so happy because we didn't. Like, we knew that it was regional Boston, right? But we didn't really coordinate. And you, like, hyper-focused in on Ward 8, mm-hmm. in the, which is in the North End. Yes. And I'm hyper-focused on the North Shore. Perfect. So it's like, they, it just goes really nicely together. Sorry, continue. No, that's totally fine. So when his career started, Lamazny's ward was predominantly Irish. Mm-hmm. Over the years, as the Irish began moving to Roxbury and Dorchester... <laughs> Jewish immigrants became the dominant group. The city zoning board gradually expanded the ward to include the Italian-dominated North End and part of the racially diverse South End. By 1930, over 30 nationalities were represented in the ward. By backing diverse candidates for the House of Representatives and by treating his constituents equally, Lamazny managed to bring together a large, ethnically diverse coalition of mostly poor and working-class voters. Presidential candidate Al Smith sought Lamazmi's advice on campaign issues in 1928 when John F. Fitzgerald, Honey Fitz, mm-hmm. asked him to support Franklin D. Roosevelt in 1932. However, Lamazny declined, predicting Roosevelt's election would lead to war. Oh. His final poli- political battle took place in 1932 when he led the successful campaign for clerk of the Suffolk County Superior Criminal Court. And that's the election that this drink is named after because mm-hmm. Ward 8 delivered him that um, winning seat. So some other fun facts, like I said, big yikes. He was opposed to women's suffrage. Yeah. Um, I sure, I'm sure there's probably pretty nuanced. I mean, I don't want to make excuses for the dude. At the end of the day, you were saying women couldn't vote. So right. like kind of fuck off. But I'm sure that there were probably pretty nuanced reasons for that. I mean, he seemed like a pretty, for the time, a pretty progressive guy. So it surprises me that he would be against women's suffrage when he's so for the working poor and for immigrants and for social services and like all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, He was never married. Hmm. Um, He never drank and found drinking abhorrent. Um, but opposed prohibition because he knew it would force the local tavern tavern owners to turn to bootlegging or lose their livelihoods. Um, so again, he seems like a pretty like logical, yep. dude. He was like, "This is this is dumb. You're going to put a lot of people out of business." Yeah. Um, I can literally hear the people walking upstairs. <laughs> um, so Martin died on August 12th, 1933 from oh. bronchial pneumonia. So we're pretty close to the anniversary of his death as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like August 10 12th. days away. Wait. That. We're almost in September. Yeah, but it's, it's well, that's what I'm saying. We're it's 10 the, days past the oh, anniversary past. of his I death. I thought you said we were like, like close, like before it. No. And I'm like, wait a minute. Isn't this the 23rd? <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's my dude. So that's who the drink was named after. He seemed like a pretty cool guy. There is a street in Boston that's named after him. Um, and he's still a pretty, pretty prominent figure in Boston history. Pretty important dude. Like, I'm surprised he kind of wasn't. When does Gangs of New York take place? It takes place, um. Before, right? It takes place, uh, right when the draft of the Civil War is at its height. Oh, okay. it's right before the riots, um, the the draft riots in the city burning 
That's I like haven't the seen that movie, movie in a really long time. I should rewatch it. Yeah, it's I like really it. It's good. really good. Yeah, but it's like long, isn't it? In like three hours, it is long. But it does a good it? job of showing how um, the rich class, the upper class, has done a excellent job of pitting uh, poor against poor mm. and sowing um, hate between like poor Irish immigrants and uh, Black Americans. Yeah. And yeah. And stirring the pot of animosity. Fun stuff. But yeah, so our boy Martin had this drink named after him. I feel bad because it's not a great drink. It's not. Uh, and it's Boston's only signature drink. Come on, Boston. So, wah, wah. Yeah. Uh, I'm so going to drink it. You already drank it all? You want some wine? Yeah. I'll pour you some wine while you get started because I'm all done. Okay. I'm cool. done. That's good. I didn't know any of that. That and was very educational. Yeah. So when I was looking it up, I'm like, oh, well, this drink doesn't have very much backstory. And I'm like, well, what's this whole, why would they name a drink after this dude? Yeah. Like, and it seemed like the article was like very, um, what's the word? Is rever- reverent a word? Yeah. Um, of him. Yeah. So I just kind of like clicked on him and then went down the rabbit hole and was like, this dude was pretty cool. Nice. Um, that, like I said, there's there. I I probably could have done like a ton more research, and I might have found it more information, but it was pretty sparse. The information that was out there, I did find a um, local Boston um, institution that had like um, was archiving like cartoons and stuff from the day. A couple of those are in the drive oh, that cool. were like about Lamazmi to kind of celebrate his. Um, his memory and like what he did for Boston and for nice. Ward 8 um, and what turned into the North End. We'll basically. put that up on the blog so everyone yeah. can see. Yeah, so that's all I got. Awesome. So I know you focused on uh, Ward 8 since that's the name of the drink. Um, but I fo- like Boston. I feel like I'd, like now that this is our second regional episode that I didn't do Minnesota justice because like because there's I mean like I grew up going to Boston. Like I've lived relatively close to Boston. Boston's most of my fucking life. great. I love Boston. Yeah. Like, as I know that it has its problems, it's super racist. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. the fucking trains constantly break down. Like just today, yeah. the entire Orange Line went down, which they just fucking so- supposedly fa- paid to fix. And the fucking anyways, there's a lot of bad stuff that I could say yeah. about Boston. But I would much rather spend a week walking around Boston than a week walking around New York. Yes. Like New York to me, just I understand the appeal, but like it's so busy and it seems so cold. Yeah. A lot of the history has been like paved over and built up on top of. Yeah. Whereas Boston, like I feel like it's kind of like a bigger version of walking around like Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Like you walk around Portsmouth and you just feel the history. Yeah. You can still get a drink at the Green Dragon pub. Which is where the fucking founding fathers of this country Isn't the sat. oldest restaurant in the United States in Boston? Yes. The like steak place? What is it called? I can't remember what it's called. But I remember that. Yeah, it's the, that. Old, yeah. the library. Is yeah, it the yeah. library? That sounds right. No, yeah. the library's in New York. I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't know. But the old, I'm pretty, we'll figure it out. I'm pretty sure the oldest restaurant <laughs> in the United States is in Boston. And like, <laughs> if you want to fucking fight me on it, then we can fucking go. All right? You get a Sammy Adams, <laughs> we'll go to a fucking Red Sox game, and we'll fucking go. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, Boston's so, great. It it's is. It's beautiful. When I worked it's there, beautiful. I fucking hated it. But, but I, I like, it's it's an amazing place to go for the day. It, um, sounds, like, it sounds like I'm peeing. <laughs> it does. 
Okay, so I focus really heavily on the North Shore, and I this mostly because I'm biased, because um, the North Shore has a lot of Italians. Yeah. Wait, are you are you Italian? Just a little. Amy, I mean, are we mortal enemies? I'm Irish. You're Italian. It's, so the North Shore is like Italian and Irish together. Yay! Coexisting and not quite harmony (laughs) (laughs) two different versions of catholic immigrants who are ostracized by uh americans yes yeah um so i wanted to give a brief history of the north shore and then talk about four kind of like quintessential north shore dishes some of them were invented in boston and some of them were imports yes um brought over by immigrants let's do it we could probably do like several regional episodes on boston alone because boston also has like a really great like vietnamese scene Mm. and korean scene i love yeah i love all the little tiny pockets yeah like i just i could lament about how much i love boston constantly like going to new york even going to like chinatown in new york mm-hmm. i don't know i was just like i i was like overwhelmed yeah um but not because it like, doesn't feel like a neighborhood in new york no that's no. the thing it feels like a neighborhood in boston yes yeah. yeah you're like you're still in boston but also you're in this really cute like niche right like place and i don't know if that's good or bad but for me it's it's a much less stressful experience walking around boston yeah because it doesn't feel like you're in this big city like yeah. it feel it feels like you're walking through a neighborhood right like the, yeah yeah i get it so to talk about the north shore first um so it was first settled in the 1630s um that's so long ago i know it's so long ago when I, and when i lived in minnesota too i would like often talk to people about like like, I used to own a house that was built in 1900, and they'd be like, what? Well, yeah, because for the rest of America, that's fucking crazy. Right. And then you go overseas, and they're like, what are you fucking baby shit? Right. You guys are fucking puppies. Like, what are you even talking yeah, about? Yeah, we're so young. Um, or, like, I would talk about Strawberry Bank in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. and I'd be like, yeah, there's, like, houses there from, like, the 1600s, and you can tour them. And then I'd be like, what? I can't even imagine something yeah. that old, because, like, that's... That like those places out west were built around. Uh, most of them were built around like the time of the automobile, right? Like right. So the neighborhoods just look different. The towns look different and feel different. Well, that's part of why Boston's so fucking hard to like navigate because it's the, all fucking cobblestone. The roads are a fucking mess because mm. they were put down before cars were a thing. Like right. they're not. There's no rhyme or reason to them. They're a they fucking no mess. Sense. They make no sense. <laughs> Um, so by the 1650s, the population of just the North Shore was enough to um, to warrant its own meeting house and church. So that was like the way that you could tell that this neighborhood like was big. Like it wasn't considered just part of Boston proper anymore. It was its own little thing. Um, and this dude named Increase Mather, which Increase is the weirdest fucking name I've ever read. I feel like read. that's like a rapper name. Right? But like, it's not. Lil Increase. He's a Protestant, or not Protestant, Puritan, which is a form of Protestantism, but Puritan minister. Yikes. Yep. Um, so <laughs> there, there must be a typo in my notes. There must there be. There were a lot of typos in mine. Because <laughs> I wrote in parentheses, Puritan brooding. <laughs> I mean, Puritans were brooding motherfuckers. But then head of Harvard College. I don't. So brooding (laughs) must mean mean something. Like there must be another word. You know what just came into my mind? (laughs) Kylo Ren is like the Puritan of Star Wars. (laughs) 
He is. He's so brooding and so like about like the new order and yeah. how everything should be and how it's not like pure and he wants to like build it all over again. Yeah. He's, He's like just a dude. little bitchy Protestant but, or uh, Puritan. Yeah. I did the same thing you did. Yeah. <laughs> well, pro- it's like a rectangle is a or a square is a rectangle but a rectangle is in a square Puritans are Protestants I didn't know Protestantism came from Puritans yep that's what I grew up Protestant yeah basically and then my grandmother married a French man and then they were Catholic and my mom has is very angry about the Catholics I don't know okay that's another conversation um but so this dude increase he uh he was I don't know why I wrote brooding, too, because, like, from my research, he was, like, really energetic and charismatic. So, like, I don't know where the fuck brooding came from. But anyways, he convinced a whole bunch of other people to move to the neighborhood. So, like, he moved in. They built the meeting house. And then he's like, come over. It's great. Like, he wasn't, like, one of those Puritan ministers that you read about that, like, burns people. He was a cool dude. He was, like, a young, hip, like, youth pastor type personality (laughs) that doesn't abuse children, hopefully. (laughs) Okay, I am listening to you, but sidebar. I just got like 30 notifications for the Drunk Dish Instagram because there's this one particular, I'm not going to say their name, but there's this one particular establishment that decides to do their marketing by Uh, sending messages. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. Sending messages to whoever accepts messages from them. And they're just fucking like sending their Instagram posts about like events and stuff so i just got like probably like 10 notifications don't fucking do that yeah don't do that don't do that it doesn't make me want to visit your establishment yeah and it makes me want to unfollow and block you yeah and like we hope to eventually like be able to like go to places and and yeah do things but like that's not the way to endear yourselves to us and i post on instagram about local places all the time yep and I understand you just want us to like know what's going on. Stop. Stop. <laughs> I'm going to guess they don't listen to this podcast, but just fucking <laughs> stop it. No. <laughs> You're about to hit that fucking send button. No. Don't do it. I don't want to have to block you, but I will fucking block you. Yep. All right. Sorry. Continue. No, it's, all it's good. really annoying. So 1650s, they build the meeting house. Increase increases the population little increase <laughs> uh just 26 short years later his house burns down um and it later actually becomes the paul revere house which is really super what the fuck did you just do melissa did you just spill your wine <laughs> she's I licking think- her hand ladies and gentlemen or lady and gentleman i yeah. should say <laughs> i think when i poured your wine that you spilt it and you didn't realize it? Because the table is fucking soaked. <laughs> and it's not condensation. It's definitely wine. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Continue. I'm, I'm cleaning keep this talking. up. Um, so in the 1700s, uh, this neighborhood starts to become like super fashionable. So there's still like working class and journeymen, etc. But now wealthy people are moving in and the neighborhood kind of starts to get gentrified before gentrification is a thing. Turn to the left. I Fashion. mean... Yeah, I guess gentrification is always a thing. It was just like us committing genocide against Native Americans originally. Um, was that? <laughs> I guess gentrification kind of does that come from Gentile? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. 
Um, it was a really important place for the revolution. A bunch of riots took place in the streets during uh, the stamp riots. And it's like such a uh, kind of like this neighborhood's like a symbol for like the galvanizing, galvanizing force of the revolution that the British actually tear down the meeting house that was built in the 1650s. So they tear down a fucking place of worship. Yo. And then use it as kindling. What the fuck? <laughs> I mean, religion's bullshit, but also like. Not cool. That's really traumatizing for a lot of people. It is. You're not really endearing yourself to the locals by yeah. doing that, you fucking assholes. Yeah. They've just decided that. See, this would be a perfect place for a Hamilton sidebar if Kate were here. Kate's where we could not sing here. King George's song. I don't know what that means. <laughs> about how it's it's essentially a breakup song. Oh, my God. You got to listen to it. It's a breakup this song. This is worse. This is worse than if Kate were here. Because if Kate were here, Amy would just make the reference. And then those fucking two idiots would look at each other knowingly. And then that would be it. But now Amy's got to explain it to me because I don't understand the reference. I'll play it for you. You're but not. You'll do, have to edit it. Do not fucking play it I'm for me. I'm not going to because I know it's difficult for you to edit it out. And you get sad and frustrated. And I love you. Are you sure you didn't spill wine? I'm positive. How did this happen? You. Okay. Oh my god. So they the British tear down the meeting house and then fast forward like a, to the 1800s past the revolution, right? We're a free country and then it actually becomes z- ground zero for immigration. So up until this point, it was a predominantly Protestant neighborhood mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden all the Irish and Italians all start the to move show in. up. Yeah, ruin in the neighborhood. <laughs> woof (laughs) and then the protestants like living alongside catholics it's obviously causing tensions um the neighborhoods just like you all believe in cod (laughs) like i don't understand that's the thing it's like i get now like i'm not not laughing at what you said i'm laughing at what i heard you say what did you think i said we all believe in cock (laughs) cod the fish (laughs) It's the North Shore. Well, we do all believe in cod. I mean, if you don't believe in cod, you need help. Because that's just a fact. Cod is more real than God. Cod. Cod came before God. Oh, my my insides hurt from laughing. And liquor. Um. Liquor? I barely know her. So this neighborhood is ground zero for a bunch of food-related stuff that happens, too. So the Prince Pasta Company is founded in the early 1900s by three Italian immigrants. Yeah. Um, And then also in the 1900s, the neighborhood, um, like I said, was... I repeated myself a couple times. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. Amy, you're fucking fired. I'm going to do this show all on my own. Oh, 1919. This is something if you grew up in New England. 1919 is during Lamazny's time. Yes. And something um, horrific happens oh, in Boston and oh. the North End at this time. And it's something if you grew up in New England, you know, when people say, that's slower than molasses. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. I had a family member caught up in that. Yep. So yeah. there is a great molasses flood of 1919. Fucking nuts. Where uh, uh, part of the factory exploded and the molasses flooded the streets. Just fucking. Can and you people imagine? died. Can they you couldn't Im- outrun the molasses. Well, but imagine it sneaks up on you. And it's got inertia because it's a lot of it. It's sure. not like a jar spills. Or like you get stuck in between like two buildings. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm in a dead end alley. Oh, I 
I guess I'm just going to. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? No. Drowning. I don't want to. In molasses. I don't want to. Ugh. Ugh. That shit smells horrible. Awful. It is. Kate doesn't even like to eat stuff that's too molasses-y. Yeah. I I make really good molasses cookies. I mean, molasses is delicious. Kate's fucking nuts. (laughs) But it does smell very strongly. It does. And that's insane. Uh, the, the molasses flood. I mean, I, I feel like we should do a whole episode on it, but it's probably not that. It's on the list. Is it? Yeah. Fuck. So we'll talk about it All right. It yeah. More. Don't talk about it too much. Yeah. That was it. That was all I was going to say. Oh, it happened. People it died. It happened. People died. <laughs> Literally think of people trying to outrun molasses and not being able to. It's like something out of a fucking comedy movie, except that it actually happened to people died. And people died. And it was probably horrific when they died. Yeah. Slowly gasping yep. for air, lungs filled with molasses. Uh, molasses. Uh, what is molasses? It's what's removed from sugar, right? When you, you, you get know. sugar and you get the white powder. It... <laughs> It's not white powder. It's like <laughs> fucking cocaine. <laughs> um, I think that's what it is. But anyways, yeah. if we're going to do an episode we'll do on an that, episode we'll on talk it. about what molasses is. Um, I'm going to have to come up with a cocktail with molasses in it. <laughs> it's also, um, the North End's also a uh, spot for Italian food festivals, like the Feast of St. Anthony yes, and I the Fisherman's believe, Feast. I mean, I can't believe you can't go tomorrow, but. Yeah, I know. So this weekend, the weekend that we're recording, not the weekend you're listening to us because of the magic of No, of you'll, technology. Be, you'll be listening to this on Labor Day. Yep. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, happy Labor Day, bitches. If you work Labor in retail, Day. you're probably fucking working like I am. Yeah. And. And if you do celebrate Labor Day, take a second to to research things like the molasses flood or the jungle and understand all of the horrific things that have happened in this country to lead to us getting one day a year. <laughs> Where all of us don't even get off. Where all of us oh, don't even get off. Oh, that sounds like I'm talking about a different thing. Yeah. But also that because I'll be working, so I definitely will not be getting off. No. So that's kind of a brief history of... Uh, Boston of of this neighborhood in Boston, the North End, the North End, right? And then there's um, four kind of essential dishes that I want to talk about that originated in the North End and the North Shore, Um, and and I want to talk about like kind of the the history behind those dishes too. You have a question? I know it's not one of the dishes, but is the lobster tail a, a North End creation? The pastry or like the pastry? An actual lobster? No, 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 the pastry. Because uh, that, I would imagine so, literally makes me orgasm as soon as I start eating it. <laughs> it's yeah, oh. I don't know. We sh- we should do. It's so good. We should do an episode on it. If you don't know what a lobster tail is, it's basically a paste, a big pastry cone, kind mm-hmm. of, but it's not a cone. It's like layered like a lobster yeah. tail, and then it's filled with this just he- delicious cream, heavenly cream and then it's dusted with powdered sugar yeah they're real good and it i probably have a picture we'll post it to the blog if you don't know what a lobster <laughs> tail is i live for it everybody else lives for i know this is one thing you're going to talk about everybody else lives for cannolis from the north cannolis. end but for me baby it's always a lobster tail yeah i'm gonna you. lobster tails are death <laughs> <laughs> the pastry kind oh boy so sorry continue no it's fine so the first the first uh, dish I'm going to talk about is 
uh, fried clams and seafood. Seafood. Can't talk. Um, So it used to be... that's why I was asking you, like, do you mean a real lobster tail or do you mean the pastry lobster tail? So when America was founded, a lot of seafood was considered, I mean, like fish were always consumed, but seafood like crustaceans and lobsters and shrimp and things like that, like there were a lot of work to to catch and a lot of work to cook and a lot of work to consume. So they were kind of considered like the food of poor people. Because of the amount of work involved in and catching and preparing. So, like, lobsters were eaten only by... Wait. Poor people. I'm confused by that. Why? Wait. So, they, it was... They were hard to catch? And they were they were considered, like, and the insects of the sea. They were considered and, disgusting. Right. But, like, you'd think anything that took a fucking long time would be meant for people that have fucking kitchen staff. Well, a lot of fishermen would catch things like lobsters, like, by accident. Oh, so, okay, and then, like, eat it, and then the rich people would be like, ew, I cannot believe right. you're eating that bug. Right, exactly. That was, okay. you sounded just like a rich person. That's crazy. <laughs> so, um, what I'm I, related to a couple. Oh, uh, okay. Um, so one of the things that's, like, really a Boston original is fried clams. So people have eaten clams since people live near the sea. Um, but a place in Boston called Woodman's of Essex is the inventor of the fried clam. Um, Woodman's of Essex was originally owned by a gentleman named Lawrence Chubby Woodman and his wife, Bessie. I have pictures of them in the drive. Chubby. Ooh. Yeah. Chubby. Yeah. He's is not he- chubby at all. I was uh, really disappointed. I was so, expecting okay, a very so large man. there's a picture, picture of Chubby and a picture of Bessie. Yep. Individually. You know, oh, they're so tiny. They're so tiny. No, the pictures are tiny. Well, that too. <laughs> But they're also small people. Yeah, no, he's a small man. Yeah, I don't understand the nickname. You know, maybe it's a sex euphemism. And I can't really see her. <laughs> I do see clams for sale. Hey, oh. Um, yeah. But she she looks tiny as well. Mm-hmm. Bessie is such a cute name that is like never used except for like with cows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So they owned a clam shack. And then a friend of the family and a local fisherman who was kind of like a legend, um, he came in, he visited the shack one day, and he's always just referred to as Mr. Tar, T-A-R-R. Nobody seems to know what his first name is. Mr. Tar? Yeah, isn't that a fucked that up name? like a monster. Yeah, but anyways, he came by the shack, and um, one of the things that Chubby was like really well known for was making homemade potato chips, and he fried them in oil, and they were a huge hit. So when Tar came to the shack and he, um, Chubby was like lamenting like, oh, I'm not selling any clams because clams, again, were like considered kind of like a messy, gross Because they are. Food. Because yeah. they are. They're mm-hmm. disgusting. My dad used to go clamming all the time and he'd catch look clams in the buckets and then he'd leave them in a cooler in water for a few days to get all the salt and grime out of right. them. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then we would shuck them and and boil them. Yeah, and I wouldn't eat them because I thought they were gross. Because I saw I, the whole process. When I was a kid, I actually think I liked fried clams, um, or steamers. Yeah, I would steamers. Eat, I yeah. would eat steamers. I wouldn't eat like a lot because yeah. again, this is before my shellfish allergy. Mm. Um, I wouldn't eat a lot of them, but I'd eat a couple, and like I can see the appeal. Mm. Um, and I like that it's a sustainable food yeah. source. I I appreciate that, like, like logically and. Greg and I just went to the Cape for a couple days a couple weeks ago and there was a tiny tiny beach by where we were staying that we could go down and sit at and it was really nice there were barely anybody there but there were people there like looking for like oysters and clams and stuff and like we went to a um 
shipyard nearby and we were walking by the docks i was like oh babe look at all i think they were mussels mm-hmm. um but i i mean i don't fucking know and i was like look at all the mussels in the water and he was like fucking like fucking amazed even though he doesn't eat that stuff yeah either. like so i appreciate that it's like a renewable resource it's like something we can kind of control and like yeah i feel like there's a lot of nutrients they're like pretty nutrient rich and stuff logically i get all but also yeah and also will kill me yeah (laughs) i just have like like i have very vivid memories of my dad bringing home buckets dumping it into a cooler that i feel like is illegal (laughs) them no because he would pay he had a clamming license he'd pay to go okay okay okay. and then like letting them cycle out the water so that they were would be clean they clean them and then steaming them and then make them do all the work and then murder them Mm yeah and mm -hmm. then literally like ripping them out of the clam and then mm. dipping them in butter yep and just like slurping them down yep <laughs> yep so better than like, raw, raw oysters maybe yeah i don't know <laughs> so anyways back to chubby our, chubby. Guy, our guy chubby chubby and bessie he uh was kind of infamous for making really delicious potato chips and tar was like hey you aren't selling any clams maybe you should try deep frying them like you do your potato chips and like chubby was like that makes no fucking sense they're in shells and tar was tar was like i was joking dude chill out and he leaves right so then after he leaves and the other customers i like to imagine that he was actually like (laughs) i was joking bro like chill out have a fucking corona about it (laughs) it's accurate so after all the customers leave for the day chubby turns to bessie as the legend goes and is like you know what maybe we should try frying them what the fuck are you doing kitten he's fine leave him alone he's just sniffing your water bottle (laughs) (laughs) guys he he interrupts our episode at least once he's trying to drink my water he's not he can't get to it it's in a fucking bottle okay but i don't love your cat like you love your cat i don't want his slobber on my bottle he's not gonna lick your bottle tip but his little cat boogers will get on Guys, I need you to, I know that we only have like two people listening, but I need you to go on the internet. I need you to go to Twitter. I need you to go to Facebook. I need you to go and I need you to tell fucking soon to be Dr. Amy that she's fucking insane to think that him literally just sniffing her water bowl. Sometimes somehow it's contaminated. It's got boogers. It's probably his got little nose. He's probably it. got cat feces all over it now. <laughs> She's gonna die. I mean, they're gonna find actual science and evidence to back up my side. Sure. So. Okay, you guys do that. Okay, please. So, anyways, Chubby was like, "Fine, I'll fucking deep fry them." He tries it, and they're good. And they're fucking delicious. They're People delicious. Love them. Yeah. So what he does, he uh, this happens on July third, nineteen sixteen. Uh, and then uh, the next day at the 4th of July parade, they're like, let's make a big fucking batch of these and sell them. And they sell out. They're a huge hit. And then uh, Chubby is also kind of infamous, too, because he's the first to create a mobile clam bake. So, like, he mm. retrofits a vehicle. So he, like the first food truck? Yes. <gasps> he's kind of the inventor of the food truck. What a hero. I know. Oh my god. So he like retrofits a vehicle with a boiler. Safe. <laughs> yes, totally safe. Um with a Imagine how what year is this? 
1920. Uh, Imagine the- how dangerous this fucking yeah. truck was. <laughs> it's retrofitted with a boiler with a cool cooler for ingredients. And then uh, he stacks wood on it because it's a wood burning boiler. <laughs> Just imagine the fucking danger. <laughs> how did people make it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how people survived back then. I mean, the fires alone. Yeah. How? <laughs> I don't know. I was. I had a conversation with my brother-in-law the other day about how so many kids have food allergies nowadays. Yeah. And he was like, I don't understand why there's so many more food allergies now than there were like back in the olden days. And I go, it's probably not that there's more. It's probably that we're better at, at figuring out that's what it is. Because right. people would just die all the kids, fucking time. Yeah, yeah kids and, and people like, would ah, just Timmy's die. Timmy's dead. Good thing we got four others. He had the vapors. <laughs> He's got ghosts in his blood. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> so... Yeah, Chubby also invents the food truck, which is pretty great. Um, Chubby's food truck. Yep. You can't call it Chubby's. It means a different <laughs> thing these days. It does. So one uh, interesting tidbit. This is from Woodman's website. So the restaurant still stands today. Um, and from uh, their website, they have a little excerpt about the we history. We should go. We it's should rest- go. Is it only seafood? Uh, I think they also have burgers. Always. We should go. Yeah. Um, but on so this is from the website a direct quote on the back of their wedding certificate Lawrence which is again Chubby's real name and Bessie wrote what they considered important family events the first two lines were the birth dates of their two eldest sons Wilbur and Henry the third line was the other important birth date in the family it read we fried the first fried clam in the town of Essex July 3rd 1916 Aww, <laughs> is I that sweet I didn't know that fried clams I mean it makes sense that they would have originated in New England mm-hmm. but I had no idea yeah it's Thanks, just like Amy. a really sweet story yeah it's nice most of the stories I tell are horrible yeah that's true and filled with racism or that's violence true. mine was pretty uplifting too it he was. was a pretty good guy yeah are you gonna get, go down you gonna uh, go downhill She's got to check her notes. Yet. <laughs> Not yet. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, there's no like murder or rape in this episode. So I it's mean, pretty good. Okay. We'll tech. We'll, okay. Uh, we'll get. To- <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Okay. Um, the next one is roast beef sandwiches. What? Yeah. Those were also invented in Boston. Huh? In Re- in Revere Beach. In the North Shore in 1951. In Revere Beach. <laughs> so there was a place and called... And when? when? 1951. 1951. Oh my God, that wasn't that long ago. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Huh. So we'll... T- I mean, we'll talk about this a little bit, but... So uh, Kelly's Roast Beef is... It's claimed to fame as the inventor of the first roast beef sandwich. Uh-huh. And they have the... Like, other places have claimed to invent it or to have popularized sure. it, but they have Always. the first claim, um, the, the earliest dating claim. So unlike Woodman's, Kelly's doesn't really have any proof that they're the first though so like woodman's had like on the that i know that's it's impossible other than the fact that they've been in establishment since 19 the late 1940s or i mean early 1950s and roast beef is in their name like roast beef sandwiches so i mean that's really the only proof i can think of um but it's like i said they do have the earliest claim to the sandwich um as other restaurants didn't really see this sandwich until the 1960s, um, they estimate yearly that they sell over one million roast beef sandwiches a year, a which beef. is insane. And then in the 19 uh, late 1960s, other like restaurants like fast food chains started to adapt uh, or adopt roast beef sandwiches for their menu. So Arby's, 
uh, a restaurant called Beef Corral. If you don't follow Nihilist Arby's on on Twitter, you're not living. Just it's, FYI. Yeah, it's great. Eat Arby's. Anyways, continue. Um, a restaurant called Roby's, which eventually became Roy Rogers. And then another one called Neba. They had all in, added it to their menu by the late 1960s. Um, and then even McDonald's and Burger King in the uh, late 1960s were testing them in select kitchens. They most uh, they didn't end up like rolling them out like these other ones. Mm. They they made like fried foods kind of their focus. Right. Instead of well, I feel like roast beef sandwiches. has to be pretty fresh. Yeah. 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 Um, so the funny thing is, is though, like even though Kelly's roast beef sandwich has popularized and claimed ownership of the first kind of like what we consider to be the quintessential roast beef sandwich the very first sandwich invented by the earl of sandwich yeah was a sandwich that contained roast beef wait what <laughs> so Bro. like roast beef in a sandwich was like not a new thing well, it was like i feel like that's like pot roast in a sandwich yeah whereas roast beef is kind of a different thing Yes. Like the roast beef that we know today is a very thinly sliced. Right. It's not like a pot roast. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's probably the differentiating factor. Yes. Whatever the Earl of Sandwich had was probably more akin to like a pot roast, which was more like chunks of meat on on two pieces of bread because he didn't want to like put his cards down or whatever. Right. Exactly. Um, But I think that like some of the things that led to the huge increase in popularity in things in the roast beef sandwich and then other similar sandwiches of the time where things like the the um, advent of the nuclear family um, the rising middle class and the easily accessible um, like deli meats mm. so like having um, not just delis like traditional like delicatessens but like also like delis and supermarkets Hmm. Um, and when this is also the era when fast food chains are starting to come up and having all these different fast food chains adopt this in their menu as well, I think helps really spread it in popularity. Um, but the modern roast beef sandwich as we know it was invented at Kelly's roast beef sandwich in Revere Beach. Nice. Yes. So that's Get it. Number two out of four. Um, number three is Regina pizza. And we talked a little bit about this off air. Yeah. Cause Kate. I was like, oh, the mall pizza. Right. And Kate was like, no. Yeah. yeah. So there's Regina pizzeria and then there's, um, pizza Regina and oh. they're both owned by the same parent company, but one is like the original and then the other one is what's in the malls. Oh. Um, so Pizza Regina, like I said, most people know it from the malls, although it is like just a northeast chain, um, which I didn't know until I moved out west. And mm. then I was like, there are no Pizza Reginas out yeah. there. Yeah. Um, but it's actually like a really legitimate pizza place that had its uh, start in Boston's North End. So it was founded in 1926 by Luigi Diora. <gasps> Luigi, Luigi! Little Luigi! Um, and then it was sold in the 1950s to the Polcari family in 1956. That sounds familiar. Polcari? Yeah. They, so they're the ones that like turned it from like a family run pizza joint into the oh, chain that it, it is. It might sound familiar because Kate said it, maybe. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Kate did say it. Yes. <laughs> um, the original location is still in existence. It's located at 11 and a half Thatcher Street in Boston. Um, and then one of the things that they popularized was uh, Giambotta pizza. And I'm probably saying that incorrectly. Sorry, Italians. Um, and it's named after a type of Italian stew. 
Um, the Italian stew is sometimes called uh, giambata and sometimes called ciambata, like with a C. Uh-huh. Like, and again, I'm probably saying that wrong. Um, but essentially, it's like it's almost like the Italian equivalent of ratatouille. It has mm. like a little bit of everything. So yeah. it's got it's like you have a surplus of fresh vegetables and meat that you have to like cook. You put it in the stew. The pizza is kind of the same idea. So it's almost like a supreme pizza before, like it was like the first supreme pizza. Like it was the first pizza that wasn't just traditional like a basil leaf and tomato sauce and mozzarella on dough it was everything gross yeah not a fan (laughs) um so the pizza takes the name of the stew and that's what this pizza place is known for it's the first pizza place to have that in the new world in america and again in northeast of boston so this is like one of the imports the first two things are invented in Boston, and then the last two things, the ro- the um, pizza, and then uh, the next I'm going to talk about are imports, Italian imports, due to the high Italian immigrant population. So the last thing is the cannoli, um, or actually canola. Cannoli is plural, apparently. Oh. Didn't know that. Interesting. Um, yeah. It's a Sicilian staple. It was transported when immigrants first settled in the North End, and it was actually originally an Arabic dish. Um, oh. So the name comes from the Arabic word uh, kanawat, um, which literally means tube. And a lot of people don't know this about Sicily, but Sicily was a part of Italy. Sicily and southern Italy were actually conquered by um, the the Moors. Yeah, the Moors. I know that because of true romance. Yes. <laughs> when when um, uh, uh, Christopher Walken says that they're they're all part N word. Or no, 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 no. Christopher Walken's torturing Christian Slater's dad. Who plays his dad? I, I can see his face. I can see his fucking face. Yeah. But he's trying to rile up Christopher Walken and Christopher. And then he's like, you know, all your people are part N word or whatever. Yeah. It's a very upsetting scene. It is. But very well done and has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But anyways, because he's, he's like Sicilian, you yeah. know, you people are part, you know, yeah. N word. So Sicily was occupied by the Moors for a really long time. Um, and there's like this cultural bleed through that happened. So when earlier when you're like when I was like, there's no rape. And then I was like, Ugh. right, because like, the Moors raped a lot of. Yes. Italian women. As, as what happens in every war. Which is why you have some darker skin Italians and then lighter yes. skin Italians. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that's why a lot of Sicilians have very dark olive skin um, in addition to Beautiful living on the Mediterranean. Skin. Yeah. But it's because it's it's this. You um, follow Italian Twitter? You ought to get on that. I, I know. I follow some people that are uh, part of Italian Twitter and they got some tweets. You should give me some names. They got some tweets that are good. Talking about out. talking about how people think you have olive skin because like you eat a lot of carrots and you're like, no, I'm just what? Italian. <laughs> yeah. People say that shit? Apparently. I'll hook Jesus you up. fucking crazy. I got I'm you. the pastiest Italian You are very pasty. You're not very olive. Yeah. It's yeah. because... So, I feel like I have more olive skin than you. Yeah. My mother is Northern Italian, French, and English. And my dad is Sicilian mm. in English. And the English really took hold. The... It tends to. Yes. Yes. So I'm real pale. Um... What was I saying? I don't remember. Cannoli. We were ta- you were talking about cannolis and like the oh, yeah, Moors yeah, invading Sicily. Yeah. Sicily. Yeah, so originally it was an, an um Dennis Hopper. 
That's Dennis the dad. Hopper. That's Christian Slater's dad that says the N-word a bunch of times in that movie. So originally, uh, cannoli were an um, Arabic dish. It literally meant tube, like I said. Yeah. And then um, cannoli were made for Carnival in Ooh. Palmero. Um, and it was like a celebration when they were under Arab occupation. So it was like a way for them to like assert some level of independence so they like made this dish that was like a hybrid of the arabic version and like italian food but like it was for an italian celebration yeah so they made it in italy or originally um and then when italian immigrants sicilian immigrants came over they brought it with them to the new world and because it was like an easily consumable thing it was like made to be a street food right yeah. um it way easier to eat than a lobster tail yes lobster tail you gotta sit down those are messy make sure you have a bunch of napkins yeah it's a, it's a mess <laughs> yeah it's a thing um so they became really popular during feasts that occur in the north end like the feast of saint anthony so do you know anything about the feast of saint saint anthony um some but why don't you this is the hundredth the hundredth anniversary of the feast of saint anthony in boston first one was in 1919 obviously it commemorates saint anthony um saint anthony has a lot of importance to italians even though he's not an italian saint um so one of the things that he did for Italy was that at a time of fighting between the city states of Italy, his sermons were so powerful that they actually inspired peace and peaceful reconciliations between the different city states. Mm. So he was like a great uniter of people. He was a great orator. Um, his sermons would attract people for like hundreds of miles away. Um, and then he's also the patron saint of lost things and lost souls, which I think probably is really something that really resonates with Italian immigrants during, uh, due to being displaced, um, you know, due to economic like hardships in their, their home country and having, having to be forced really to come to a brand new place to find work and find ways to support their families. There's like a sense of being lost that comes with that, um, so I think like those two things, like obviously like historically he, he has importance in unifying Italy, but also like just from like a theological perspective to being a patron saint of lost things and lost souls. He has importance like from a faith perspective. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Um, and then there's like if you ask a Boston resident where you can get the best cannoli, you're going to get different answers. We we talked about this on an episode. Yes. I'm pretty sure. So like half of people will say Mike's pastry. Which I'm kind of of the mind that whatever place everybody says is the best is probably not the best. Mm. Because there's probably. It's where they send the tourists. There's probably. (laughs) Yeah. Right. There's. Well, and there's two Mike's pastries Mm -hmm. as well. But. There's probably some place that is a hole in the wall mm-hmm. that like people don't know about that makes the best cannoli in Boston. And that place. But it's a secret. Yeah. That place that I believe makes the best cannoli in Boston, I found out, is closing at the end of this <gasps> month. So by is the that time. the place like almost across the street from Mike's? Yes. <gasps> the like the, the when we talked about it, it was all of my Latino Mm-hmm. Co-workers said that was the best place. Yeah. It's closing? Yes. That I mean, me, according like, to what I read online. Like I said, when we did the cannoli taste test mm-hmm. in my work, everybody voted for Mike's. But, like, it still makes me sad that so many people thought that that place was the best place. And that's sad. Yeah. Wow. There's, there's to bring it down, Amy. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
There's um another place too that's a what do a you know have the name modern it's uh, it's like Maria's or something it starts with an M it's not Mike I feel bad it's that like we always name. know Mike's and we don't ever know the other I know. place because Mike's is a fucking it's easy Anglo-Saxon well, institution name. yeah like you go to the North End you go to Mike's yeah that's just they don't take credit cards so you better fucking yeah. show up with cash and you got to have one person drive the car so that they can drop you off <laughs> and drive around. Yep. Because there's nowhere to park and just keep driving until you come out with all of your goodies and then they pick you back up. Right. Yeah. There's also a modern pastry, which yes. is really good yes. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's like if you ask a Boston resident where the best cannoli are, like they're gonna say something different. Like if you you can't get the same answer out of no more than one person. Have you like. tested this series? Um, it's been a really long time since we should I've had find cannoli. the best cannoli. Yes, I will go to Boston and we'll literally go like on a taste test of Boston and get cannolis. Well, we need to. We have an episode planned for pizza, and we. <gasps> I want us to go to Pinocchio's in Cambridge we for Sicilian pizza. Gotta go to pizza. all the pizza places. Yes, 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 yes. Oh my god! So we need to plan that way in advance. We do. <laughs> we need to bring tummy pills. Oh my god! So many tummy pills. <laughs> So the, these four things I really want to focus on because they're all f- originating from the same area of Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, obviously, we've talked about Boston cream pie on the show in the past from Parker's house. Um, Boston also has, like, this really amazing, like, Asian food scene. Um, they have amazing, like, dumplings and noodles and ramen and pho. And, you know, a lot of places in Alston and Cambridge come to mind. So, like, that could be a whole, like, another episode we could do. Um, there's amazing like tapas places and Latin American food places in the South End. And then also like strangely enough, Jamaica Plain is like this like little um, center place for like Scottish food too. Like, really? Yeah. So like there's like there's all these little neighborhoods that have these little focuses. I'm scared to go places. I will take you. Know you. Me? I don't like I don't like places I don't know. It stresses me out. I know. I get scared. <laughs> And then it's not like a a race thing, like they were play because they're no. I say that because I wasn't even thinking that, <laughs> Melissa. I say that because I know that there's at least like one person from work listening to this probably, and there are places in like Lawrence that have really good yeah. Spanish food that I'm scared to go. Yeah, but it's not necessarily because like I'm like oh well I'm white. It's just like I don't like things that I don't know. Yeah. I don't like not understanding things. So if people are, and I mean, that does come into the fact that I'm a fucking privileged white lady and I don't like it when I don't understand what people are saying. Like, but that's on me. <laughs> that's not on anybody yeah. else. Yeah. Um. So I don't go to a lot of places because I'm like, that place looks really interesting, but also like I'm scared. Yeah. Like sidebar, Greg and I went to go to this kind of like hole in the wall local place one time for breakfast. And we had drove, driven by it a bunch of times. And then we were like, because we had gone, tried to go to one place and it was insane busy. Like mm-hmm. there wasn't even anywhere to park. We we're like, well, OK, well, we're not going here. So where do we want to go? That's not like the fucking airport diner. Right. Um. So there was this other place that we drove by all the time. We're like, OK, let's go here. And then it was such a local towny place that I immediately got uncomfortable. And I was Aww. like, I don't want to go here. Like. It's not, and it wasn't normal. It wasn't like, 
I say normal, but like there wasn't like a straightforward entrance. Like you walk in here and then they see right. you or whatever. It was like, oh, no, if you walk in this door, all of a sudden you're in this weird like towny <laughs> area where everybody just stares at you, like wondering why you're there because you have to go in this other door mm-hmm. that and that's where they see you. But it's weird. And there's like a weird port. It was just. And I got very uncomfortable and then we ended up leaving and I think Greg got mad at me because <laughs> I'm like, I have a lot of anxiety right now. And he's like, all right, well, let's just go. <laughs> and I think we ended up going to the airport diner. <laughs> They've got good waffles. They do. They do have good waffles. I don't know what we were talking about. Continue. Oh, how the- I'm scared of cultures other than my own. Yes. But we can go. Even sh- if they're white cultures. Yes. We should go. We should go on a eating tour of Boston. I feel like that'd be a lot of fun. I would love that. We say we're going to do a lot of things I on know. this show and then we don't do them because I, I work and go to school and you have kids and work. Yeah. So, yeah. We'll and, figure it and out. And Kate always has something going on. Yeah. Hence why she's not here. Thanks, bitch. Kate. <laughs> we love you. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's there's so much to cover for Boston. That's I just focused on this one epi- one neighborhood for this one episode, but we can definitely revisit in the future. Um, but yeah, that was that. I just wanted to cover that. Oh, my God. That's it. Yeah. Oh, my God. What did we talk about? We talked about, <laughs> we talked about cannolis. Cannolis. There are four dishes. You remember? Oh, uh, um, fried clams. Yep. Cannolis. Mm-hmm. You already said cannolis. Roast beef sandwich. Roast beef sandwich. And then Giambata pizza. Oh, pizza. I mm-hmm. knew pizza, but I didn't know the what, name. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Boston's got a lot of shit. I'm sure there's a lot more, too. That oh, you, yeah. I mean, we're so old. It's one of the cool things about living. Not oh, us, the city. Yeah, not us personally. I was like, God damn it, Melissa. No, just New England. <laughs> I mean, we are old, but like... <laughs> Compared to a lot of people who are old. Yeah. I'm older than most of the people I work with. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> you were older than most of the people at the thing we went to today. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that might not be true. There were a lot of older uh, people there, I think. Like my age older, not like older, older. Yeah. I don't know. Um, But no, New England's so old that I feel like there's so much history. Yeah. Like it's it's so much to go into. Yeah. And, and Boston specifically is such a melting pot. Even though it's also so racist, which is really frustrating. Yeah. It's really frustrating. Be better, Boston. Yeah. It's really frustrating (laughs) when you have all these groups that have been marginalized against. You know, you have the poor and then you have Italians and you have Mm -hmm. Irish and you I mean, literally every different ethnicity. You have Chinese, you have Japanese, you have like Polish, you have everything. Mm -hmm. And all of them have been freaking prejudiced and like discriminated against and then like you fucking hear about boston being terrible for black people all the time yeah like and it's just like what the fuck boston you could be so great i feel like you've got everything going for you there's a mentality of like i got mine you get yours oh for sure going on there like my like i've told this story multiple times but my dad who is Italian American wasn't allowed to swim in the public swimming pool. What? Because the because of the olive oil, right? Because <laughs> the oil was skin. You would make the water oily, which would be true in Amy's case because yes. she moisturizes with olive oil. I do. If I did that, my face would be one giant zit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. So I mean, you. But he experienced discrimination which like is that. Terrible. But at the same time, it's really hard for him to empathize with people who've been discriminated against for other similar reasons yeah and my family's extremely iris so uh, iris iris the flower 
my family's made of flowers, yeah. <laughs> um, is extremely Irish. Mm-hmm. So I am sure back when they experienced a lot of discrimination because all accounts say that we've been in the United States for a really long time. Right. And, but like my grandmother was super racist. Yeah. Like my mom, who's the youngest of five children, had to deal with the fact that my grandmother was racist because she had a friend who was the one black person in the town when she was growing up. And I know because it was the same family that was the only black family in the town when I was growing up. Um, And like my grandmother wouldn't let her bring her friend over to the house because her friend was black. That's so fucked up. And it's like you grew up as a poor family in fucking Southie. Yeah. Probably being discriminated against, although they weren't Catholic. So but that probably like helped. The guy that you were talking about, who I can't remember. Lamazny. Yes. Martin. Lam- Martin yeah. is the easy part. To yeah. Martin. But like he, like it, it seemed like he was aware of how the society we've built is really good at pitting poor people against yeah, poor and people. He, he celebrated those people and he lifted up those people. Right. Except for women. again i wish i knew more about that i might actually look into it and kind of see maybe i'll make a blog post about it to be like here's why not to excuse it but just to yeah because all his other things were so progressive right how do you come away like having all those opinions but still thinking that women don't deserve the right the only thing i can think is maybe he thought that it would hurt home life yeah. Which is not an opinion I agree with, but I know that a lot of people thought, well, if women can vote, they're going to get these ideas. <laughs> they're going to think that they're like their own person and they're not going to take care of the home. They're not going to take care of the children. All of that. Yeah. Stuff. It's, and I mean, it was a different time. So he doesn't strike me as the type of man that would beat his wife, <laughs> but he never had a wife. So fingers crossed. Oh, my God. Theory. <laughs> he was fucking gay. Yes. Because anybody that doesn't marry is gay. Yeah. Robert De Niro, gay. Gay. Al Pacino, gay. Definitely. Oh, George Clooney got married. He's off the list. Yeah. Jodie Foster. Oh, wait. Yeah, she is. No, she's actually gay. Yeah, she's actually gay. She's a fucking icon. Yeah. I was. Oh, my God. I would sleep with Jodie Foster in like literally seconds. Yeah. And my Same. husband would be fine with it. <laughs> He'd be like, you do what you got to do, girl. He's very progressive. Anyways, uh, we always get off track at the end. That's how you know we're uh, we're done. Yep. I'm very drunk. <laughs> oh, I got to take my... um, Cheers. Cheers. I got a free sample from listening to another podcast. That's great. And Yay. I got to take that tonight to see if I feel like shit tomorrow morning because I've been drinking a lot and I'm very sweaty. <laughs> And I'm probably going to But that's it. normal because you say that every episode. That's true. It's hot. But it's not as hot as it's been. It was actually lovely today. Mm-hmm. It was. Uh, we so, have- yeah, listen. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, Amy, can you do yes. the whole thing? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, obviously, uh, this is episode 11. So if you haven't listened to your previous episodes, do go back and listen. Although sometimes the audio is not great. We figured some shit out. Yeah, it kind of sounds like I'm the only one that has a mic for a lot of the episodes. she was. Because I, I was. <laughs> I'm so sorry. 
I don't want to get rid of those episodes because that's part of our history and I feel like it's important. And they're still funny. They're hilarious. They're still informational. We're hilarious. They're just really hard to listen to, especially if you're in an automobile. So sorry. But do you have a hearing issue? Do listen. Follow us on uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook if you happen to be a Russian bot or elderly. Or a boomer. Or a boomer. (laughs) I mean, a lot of my socialist friends are on Facebook, so, you know weird yeah it's good for organizing it is and like events and all that it is um so follow us on all the social accounts read our blog we post recaps of every episode a little summary with also our sources as we noted earlier and some fun photos from our research as well so you can peruse what melissa and kate and i are looking through most days um and kate doesn't look kate doesn't look at everything (laughs) i wanted to just include her though so kate we love you um we're cyber night you and i here yeah all three of us are on Twitter, too, so you can follow us individually. Kate's on Twitter! It's crazy! At Dish Kate, which is a weird name, but just go with it. And I'm at That Spinach. And I'm at Out Loud Inside. Out Loud Inside. Out Loud Inside. Out Loud Inside. Very deep. Yeah. <laughs> it's from my very deep writer persona. And then sometimes, too, we'll post uh, additional fun things on the blog, our recipes that we feature. So definitely check us out on there as well. Yeah. I think that's all I that's all we got. Yeah, that's all we got. That's all I got. That's all we got. Yay. Okay. Bye. Bye.